Today, we're diving into the high octane world of firefighting and emergency medical services with our guest, Ben Hurd. As a former public school teacher turned career firefighter, Ben brings 15 years of fire service and EMT experience to the front lines. Get ready to be inspired by the resilience and dedication of these everyday heroes and the incredible benefits the job offers. This is Career Chats with Katie and Robin. Welcome, Ben. We are so excited to have you on Career Chats today. Before we get into your personal journey and experience as a firefighter and EMT, I kind of have two questions related to the fire industry that will be helpful for our listeners. Sure. First, I know you were a school teacher turned mm-hmm. career firefighter. Can you explain the difference between career firefighters and volunteer firefighters and how towns and cities would know what to have and the balance between the two? Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely can can. And the first thing that I'll share with you is that the fire service, and you use the word industry, but I'm going to call it service Mm -hmm. um, because it's not really privatized. So that's really how we refer to it. Perfect. The fire service is very dynamic and it's very evolving and changing. Um, And those are some of the struggles that we deal with within the fire service is the unique balance between career and volunteer staffing. The difference is money. Um, (laughs) Volunteers do this for free. Career firefighters do this full time. Uh, Oftentimes, the two things merge in that a volunteer will become a career firefighter. And also times it merges in the fact that a career firefighter may go back home to a, a local community where they live and they may be a volunteer there as well. Uh, it all depends. You know, I transitioned to Northern Virginia from Eastern North Carolina and being volunteer and career down there are very distinctly different than they are in Northern Virginia. But quite frankly, the bare bones difference is that a volunteer shows up, um, they do so without getting paid. There is some financial incentive to it. Um, there is a little bit of a pension um, if you do it long enough. But that's for, for that, that's pretty much the big difference between the two. I was never a volunteer. I have only ever been career, but I have been staffed at a station that has both at the same time. And I've worked hand in hand with both at the same time. And do they go through the same tra- same training process? They do. They do. Specifically in Prince William County, Virginia, where I live, the mm-hmm. Public Safety Training Academy is the career and volunteer training academy. And it has been since the one that is there now was built in 1994. They have always trained both, cross-trained um, at the same time. And you also have, you know, to be a volunteer, you don't have to be an EMT, but oftentimes volunteers will be fire and EMS mm-hmm. to be career in the County where I live. You have to be both. Okay. So that's specific to your County that you have to be both for being career. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause that sort of leads into our second question. Is that more common among career firefighters that you're both, or is it really depending on like the municipality rules? It depends on the municipality. The trend nationally is that departments are dual service departments. That's the common term to use, um, or that they are cross-trained in fire and EMS. And within the EMS portion, people will be trained as an EMT basic, an EMT intermediate, or an EMT or a paramedic. Um, you know, an advanced level paramedic. And then even within that, there's a whole 
um, subcategory, like you can become nationally registered. The county that I work in, no person graduates from the fire academy without being nationally registered EMT basic. And what that means is they literally have given me a certificate to go sign up to work in wherever you live. You could take it to any state then since it's national. Nationally registered. Okay. We have had people leave our department specifically and go work in the Virgin Islands. Wow. I know you career switched from teaching to the fire service. Can you tell us about that process? When I graduated from college with a degree in radio and television broadcasting, um, I'd never used that to to its fullest, but I did use my degree to become a, a, a provisional certificate teacher in Maryland. So I had my last year teaching. It's just, it was what it was. My, my heart was in it, but my head was... And so I filled out an application for the fire service. I was always... Uh, Uh, broad-shouldered, if you will. Um, I was the teacher that was always called upon for physical tasks, aka I could break up a fight pretty good. Um, So, and I was there for emergent situations. Uh, as As a skateboarder, I was always the one to deal with, like if a kid broke his ankle at a skate spot, I I like ran over and picked him up and got some ice for him. And it's, it was just like kind of instinctive for me. So I filled out the application. Um, I went and took the written exam, which there were 1,800 applicants that took the written exam for 18 total positions. Is that typical? At the time, it was. Oh, wow. It's, It's interesting that you ask that because in our society, there has been a paradigm shift. Younger people in general will look at it as a career that's like, it's too hard for them. I mean, I hate to say that. We live in a society where it's not as, not as many people are signing up for those types of jobs. People want tech jobs. People want the fast money. They don't want to do a whole lot of labor, mm. you know. So it's a sad reality we live in. But it, now there's a crisis in in the fire service. It, they have trouble keeping people. People are, they're dropping like flies. We it, it, people leave before they've even come out of the academy. And I get an email every other day, you know, um, separated employee. Oh wow, it's a job. But that what still remains is that the fire service is one of the greatest jobs there is in the world. It's a huge fraternity. Every day I go to work, it's the clubhouse. Um, I, I can't even tell you what we do cutting up at the firehouse. It's always fun every moment of the day. It's always pranks and, and a good time uh, mixed, with, mixed with professionalism and bringing this, the, the, a quality product to the citizens of my community. So along those lines, what is a typical day on the job look like? Um, a typical day on the job is not something that you can say is a typical day on the job. Um, because I can arrive at work tomorrow morning. He, a typical day starts with me waking up at 3.30, being out of the house by 5, arriving at my fire station by 5.20. Um, I would adjust that accordingly, depending on, you know, where, which station they had me going to or whatever. But, um, you know, it's an early morning rise. We have to be there by 6 a.m. You start putting your equipment on the engine or the medic unit or whatever you're assigned to at 6 a.m. and by 6 a.m. and 30 seconds, the the tones could go off for um, a man who fell 50 feet out of a tree and is laying on the ground lifeless. And that is the reality of what a crew experienced yesterday when they got to work. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I've done CPR on people in the wee hours of the morning or sadly arrived at a nursing home. When we go to the nursing homes in the wee hours of the morning for that, it's usually not a good thing. They've usually been in bed overnight. Um, 
it's never a dull moment. You don't know what's going to happen, whether it's an overturned vehicle or whether it's a stubbed toe or whether it's somebody who forgot to take their blood pressure medication and just want us to get checked out. You, you don't know, you know, full-blown structure fire. You can be on your way back to the station from three back-to-back emergent situations Stop at the Wawa, give a small child a tour of the fire engine, get a free cup of coffee. And by the time you get back to the firehouse, there's somebody there with plates from the church. And it's, it, you never know what's going to happen. Never dull, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, not, it's never a dull moment. Would you say these days you work more as an EMT or as a firefighter? Since the fire service merged together in the 1970s and became a dual service department that it is, It has been, and here's a direct number, 85% EMS and 15% fire. Really? Yes, that's the reality of what we do. So what is your favorite part of the work you do and your least favorite part? My favorite part is the thing that they always tell you is the cheesiest thing to say as your response when you're introducing yourself on day one of the fire academy. And so the reason that I started this job was to help people. Mm -hmm. And they say that that's like so corny and cliche to say, but the reality of it is, is that the reason that I started this job was genuinely because I have always liked helping people. I was, I was raised by parents who taught me that the, the number one thing that you can do in your life is provide assistance to somebody else. You know, if my parents were both public school teachers, um, my mom was Jewish Um, I was raised to be a mensch. That's like the Yiddish term for um, like the the, you're going to go to heaven. The the, the ticket to heaven is to be a mensch, to be a good uh, citizen to society. So that's genuinely why I joined the fire service was so that I could continue to help people in the way that I was helping people in special education. The difference is that now I was going to use my muscles to provide a, a, a different type of service. It's really what it was. The day that I went to the fire academy and did the practice exam, when you when you pass the written test, the next thing that you have to do is the physical portion. And so I took a sick day from teaching and I went to the fire academy and, and went for my assigned date that I could go practice. And so the first thing they do is they put like a 40 pound weight vest on you and then they put a fire coat on you and a helmet Um, and a pair of fire gloves. You wear a pair of uh, sneakers and you wear a pair of um, athletic shorts. But the moment that that went on me, and I, I, the word we use in the fire service is donned, the the moment I donned that equipment, um, I felt like a metamorphosis. Uh, It just felt like this fit had come on to me that was the right fit. And I felt like it, the right decision was put on me almost. Um, and just to kind of bring this back, and I, I know I'm getting kind of spiritual about it, and to make it even more spiritual, uh, my best friend as a child um, lived across the street from me. He was killed in a fire. He was 18 years old. He was a rookie volunteer firefighter in one of the most aggressive firefighting communities in all of the country uh, in Prince George's County, Maryland. His father was the chief. Wow. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, he died. This young man, Kenny Hedricks, died while performing a search uh, on, on a home that was on fire. And that it's always been very impactful to me. I, I invited his parents to come to my graduation. They were re- literally the only people that I invited to my graduation. Um, I've always felt like there was like a little angel sitting on my shoulder. Um, and the day that I went and took this practice test, 
It was like it all just kind of came together. Wow. And I have found that I I continue. I'm, I'm allowed, I can do uh, education at the same time. I'm the go-to guy. When a kid comes to the firehouse, I literally got called out of the bedroom the other night at 8.30 to perform a station tour for a family that was just like in the area and they saw a firehouse and people do it all the time. They just stop by with their kids huh. and they're like, Oh, somebody go get hurt. <laughs> There's some kids here. He'll take them around. He'll probably put them on his shoulder or something. Aww. Yeah. I, I go and do pub ed events at schools all the time. I I'm firefighter Ben that goes and like does story time at the schools. So I've, I have found a way to continue that passion Within the fire service, there's a niche for that. And I kind of feel that niche. I love that. So what kind of personality would thrive in the day-to-day work environment? Uh, well, I, I would definitely like to say that an outgoing personality would thrive, but it's not always necessary. And to be honest with you, there are it, it, there are people within the fire service that are very introverted. There are people who are very uh, cerebral in their thought process that... The person who rides on the fire engine and the person who operates as the paramedic, those are completely different styles of people, let me tell you. Mm. And then there's the guy that rides on the big truck with the ladder on the top. Um, That's a different personality type altogether, too. In order to be a paramedic, you basically have to go to doctor school. You know, that's that's what it is. Um, It's being a nurse. It's being a doctor. Um, Although we don't diagnose people in the fields, um, you know, at the same time, we do interpret 12 leads. We do uh, major patient assessments. And so the level of medical knowledge required to do that is a a totally different thing than the stereotypical big dumb fireman who just carries a hose into a building and squirts water on the red stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that job in and of itself is very much an intellectual position because fire ground tactics are, uh, they are a very unique thing. How you operate on a fire ground is a, uh, it's a chessboard. Um, The way the pieces move, whose job is it to do what Uh, it takes a, it, it takes a unique personality to do that, but I can't. I wouldn't say that there's one specific. Okay. From that, you explaining that, I have two kind of follow up questions. Um, when I was looking up like the median averages of wages for firefighters, EMTs, and paramedics, paramedics was higher than EMTs. So that, so that's exactly why what you explained. They know they know more stuff. Yes. They quite frankly, they have to go to school. Um, the, where, where I live, that's a benefit. They pay for you to do that. Oh, there's some pluses and minuses. Now I, I actually just withdrew from the paramedic program because they changed how they were doing their clinicals. Um, they're making it so that people that take their, that take the paramedic program in Prince William County have to drive to Richmond, Virginia for their clinicals at a hospital. Oh yeah. I, I can't do it. I got a family. Yeah. Yeah. That's stressful. There are people that can do it and they are providing accommodations to do that. They're providing dormitories, um, arrangements. They're providing, um, financial arrangements for fuel and, 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 the, the, the compensation for the time it takes to travel. Um, so it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bash the way they're doing it. It just doesn't work for me and my family in the situation that we have. And that's really going to differ depending on where you live in the United States. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a, it's kind of, that's kind of an extreme example. Most departments utilize a local program okay. and most departments pay for you to go through your paramedic training because there is a dire need in our society. Just like there's like an educator crisis. Yeah. There is also a paramedic crisis. Um, We are hurting for paramedics every day. You you mentioned the pay. 
the, the saying in the in our department is that you can write your own paycheck if you're a paramedic. Interesting. Yes. In other words, whatever amount of money it is that your family requires you to have, starting pay for a paramedic in Prince William County is around $80,000. If you want to be the sole provider for your family, working two shifts of overtime um, every pay period, and you want to bring in $135,000 after taxes, you can do that here, no problem. Well, I'm really glad we talked about this because when I was looking at the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, the median average in 2021 for paramedics is $46,000. That is around the country, correct? Right. It is for the whole average of the country. There are a whole lot more rural West Virginias, rural Indianas, rural Illinois, rural Southern Maryland's than there are Fairfaxes, then there are um, Miami, Florida's, then there are Atlanta's. Um, The places that pay more, there are less of, but in those places, there is a higher demand for paramedics. Mm -hmm. What would you tell someone who's thinking about entering this field? I would tell them that the very first thing they need to do is a 24-hour ride-along if possible. Most fire departments won't let you ride for 20 hours, 24 hours. So that's kind of an extreme thing to say. <laughs> but if you live in a, in a community that will let you sign up to do a daily, like a field trip, you can go, you know, from like, say, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. and see every single thing it is that the firemen experience in a day to day, you know, of their lives. You would want to know if you can stomach the job before you went to do the job. It's not for the faint of heart. It is not for the thin skinned. It requires a certain degree of toughness, um, both mentally and physically. And you would want to see that in action. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to do a ride along. And then on that note, we have such an amazing technology at our fingertips. People really need to go on YouTube. Um, They need to look at a day in the life. They need to watch all the training videos they possibly can and just study it. A lot of schools nowadays, high schools are offering this as like a vocational class. Um, There's emergency service classes that, uh, that high schoolers can take nowadays. That's something that I would encourage as well. Look into it at a young age. See if it's something that you really like. At the age of 42, when I went through my fire academy, I sat next to an 18 year old. I don't remember when he turned 18, but he graduated from high school the, the year before. He he signed his contract to join the fire service when he was still in high school. And so he graduated from high school and immediately started a $56,000 a year profession. Wow. So along those lines, what is the path to become a firefighter? Like what are the requirements? High school graduate and not have any felony convictions or you know anything crazy like that on your record. That's literally it. And then what's the process? You typically will go onto your municipality's website and fill out some form of like a job interest card or click on the apply now. And that's how you get the ball rolling. Once you've done that, it's a written test. It's a physical test. It is a psychological evaluation. It's a polygraph test. And then it is a test with, or a, a, an interview with the chiefs. How long does that whole process take? Six months. Oh, that's fairly that's fairly quick. And typically what people will do is apply to multiple departments at the same time. Okay. So somebody who was looking into the fire service might look at every single department within 45 minutes to an hour drive from their house and apply to all of them. When my wife decided that she wanted us to leave Greenville, North Carolina and move to the, the D.C. area, we applied to Prince William County and Fairfax. 
And you'll notice that I just used the word we to say we applied because a married man or a married woman does not simply apply to the fire service. They do so with their spouse you know, in mind also. I work a 24-hour shift. My wife's a single mom when I'm not home. You don't just come home one day and be like, hey, babe, I think I'm going to switch, you know, this nine-to-five job to this nine-to-five job. That doesn't really mess your your life schedule up, but fire service is a different animal in, in the hours that we work. What are your hours? I know you said you wake up super early, but so it's a 24-hour shift and then how many shifts a week? Okay. So different fire departments do it different ways. Where I work, we do 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, four days off, repeat. Okay. In that time, in your 24 offs, you can work overtime. Okay. You can work up to 12 hours of overtime and you can like tack that on. They'll let you work a maximum of 36 hours straight. Now, when I say that, we're not literally awake for 36 hours like zombies walking around, you know, not you know, dangerous driving. You take a nap. You can go to sleep whenever you want. I'm going to get to work tomorrow at 6 a.m. I'm going to get my stuff on the engine. I'm going to eat some breakfast and I'm going to go to sleep. Okay. I'll be in the. I'll be back in bed by 7.30 um, and I'll probably sleep until 9 a.m. and then wake up and work out and, you know, have a day. But right. that's just how you do it. You're allowed to do that. And the reason why is because you never know when you're going to be awake at our job. That is my schedule schedule where I'm at now. The schedule where I used to work was 24 on, 48 off. And you just kept repeating that 24 on, 48 off. And then you can, obviously you can take vacation days. When you take a vacation day, in the case that I just described, you have five days off in a row. Nice. If you took one day of vacation, you could go on a cruise with your family. Like you could literally go on a cruise. Right. You can strategically like put it to just make it be long. Exactly. That's what the attraction of the fire department is. In addition to health care, you know, life insurance, all that good stuff. I left a career where there's a running joke. You know what the greatest thing about being a teacher is? June, July and August. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like you get three months off with no work. That's sweet. How awesome is that? And they send you a paycheck in the summer. How cool. Well, the same thing with the fire service. You're telling me I can take one vacation day and have six days off in a row based on my my current schedule. (laughs) So how does like what you do now kind of fit into a projected career path? Like how common is it for firefighters, EMTs to have like the advanced titles of captain or lieutenant or battalion, like you said? That's the sole goal. Okay. Nobody joins the fire service to remain a basic firefighter. Okay. You join the fire service to become a lieutenant, to, to get the raise, to get the promotion. And the pathway to success is fairly clearly laid out. And kind of what I alluded to with the paramedic program, it's paid for. Nice. I went through the academy. I graduated from the academy. Now I'm considered technician one, Benjamin Hurd. After two years, I can become a tech two. In order to become a tech two, you have to take a class called lap one. Guess what? That class is on your day off. Oh. You get paid overtime to go to the class. Awesome. (laughs) They need instructors at the fire academy. In order to be an instructor, you have to go through the level one instructor class. In order to do that, you go on your day off and you get paid overtime to qualify to go to the fire academy on your day off and get paid overtime. It's just as awesome as you want to make it. Yeah. You can just go to work on your normal shifts or you can find all these. You get these emails all the time. They're like, hey, we need somebody to work overtime for a recruitment event. Come dress up as a firefighter and show high schoolers how, you know, what your job is like. Can you tell us like from like bottom to top, like what all the titles would be called? It depends department to department, but where I'm at, you are a 
technician one after you go through your probationary firefighter school. Okay. And then you're a tech two. And then you are a lieutenant. And then you are a captain. And then you are a battalion chief. And then you could become a division chief. And then you could become one of the assistant chiefs, of which there are a bunch of different titles. Um, and then you could lastly be the departmental chief, the chief of the fire department, whose income is somewhere around $200,000, I think. Oh, wow. nice. And do like do people above you tell you when you're ready to enter the like the next phase? Or how do you know you're entering that? Yes. And there are certain tests that are in place. There are third party instructors. Um, there are clearly laid out um, pathways that you have to follow. There's For each goal, there, you have to take this class this class, this class, those are the prerequisites in, before you can move on to the next phase. So there's, there's definitely a ladder to success. Um, the youngest battalion chief in our department, I want to say, is in his mid-30s. So somebody could conceivably join the fire service at the age of 18 or 19 okay. and be in the fire service for 30 years, retire at the age of 49, have time to start a whole different career. Um, you could retire at the age of 49 and then transition to becoming a chief in a different department. Our chief, who was newly elected, was a chief in, uh, I want to say, in Henrico County, Virginia, for about five years. Prior to that, he was a chief in New York for about five years. And he became the chief of that department after he retired from being a battalion chief from another department in New York for five years. And so this is a very common thing for a young guy to go through the ranks of the fire service until he makes it to like the chief level. And then to be a chief at a department for a period of time and then transition to another one. They go make changes and improvements at different departments and build a reputation for themselves. And so then they go to another department and do the same thing. That's awesome. This is also fascinating. Yeah. There's so much opportunity for free time as a fireman. You can have so many different side hustles. Speaking of side hustles, our listeners might find this interesting. The way I met Ben personally is because he taught my three slash four-year-old how to skateboard. And he did it in between those days off that he was describing as a little side hustle to be able to go to the skate park and teach kids at the same time in between your days off. That was the coolest thing. I've always wanted to own my own business. And so this to me was a great opportunity to kind of get a, a fresh start on something totally different. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing skateboard lessons. Well, Ben, this was so fascinating. And I think we both could talk with you for a lot longer, but we know your time is precious. Is there anything else you would want people to know about being a firefighter, an EMT? Well, you know, if there was one thing, it's on a, on a broader level beyond the firefighter and EMT. What I would encourage people that are looking at career paths, people who are, let's say, maybe in their, their teenage years um, or, and even into their early 20s, because I myself was very confused as a young man. I didn't know what I wanted to do. What I would encourage people to do is not necessarily look directly at the college educational path as though that is an absolute requirement. Mm. If you are willing to put in a little bit of hard work, there are a lot of industries and trades that you can go to a trade school and walk away with a, a gift. That skill that they teach you is a gift that you can use to propel yourself throughout your entire life. From an electrician to a welder to a plumber to an HVAC technician to uh, hospital staffing that doesn't necessarily require you to go get a nursing degree. There are so many occupations out there 
that are truly kind of lost art forms in our society because people really gravitate towards, I guess, things that are just generally easier to do. Uh, but I would encourage people to look into trades such as the list that I just put out there. And for me personally, at the top of that is the fire service. I, ever since the day that I joined the fire service, I have known that this job was something that was definitely for me, it definitely takes a, a unique person. It takes a, a I'm not going to be braggy, but it takes a person with a special gift. You have to have a, cer- have a certain degree of patience. Uh, you have to have a high degree of empathy for people. We help all walks of life. There is no room for any racism or bigotry in the fire service. We help all comers, no matter what they look like or who they like. It is truly a service to the community, unlike any other. And anybody who's interested in doing it, I I just encourage them to go look into a ride along, maybe go to their local firehouse, find a local fireman and, and start asking questions not unlike the questions that you've started asking today. Well said. We are so appreciative that you are here. And if you're listening and want more information, we are going to have our show notes up along with this episode, as well as links to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics for those links for firefighters, paramedics, and EMTs. So thank you very, very much for all your time today, Ben. Career Chats is hosted by Katie Heddleston and Robin Coney. If you enjoyed this show, we'd love you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, time, stay curious.